The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, February 22nd. Coming up today... Stocks are coming off their worst day of the year. Investors wait for the release of the Fed minutes from this month's policy meeting. President Biden rallies support for Ukraine in Eastern Europe as a fight for democracy. And China calls ties with Russia solid as a rock. A suspected tornado touchdown in southern New Jersey, plus a suspect has been charged with a hate crime for burning a pride flag at a Soho restaurant. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stash, here on Sports. The Devils lost to Montreal, a coaching change in the NBA, while the Nets extended their coach's contract. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Each morning on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. Stocks are coming off their worst day of the year. The S&P 500 opened up the holiday shortened trading week with a 2% decline, while the tech-heavy Nasdaq 100 fell 2.4%. Weak earnings and fears of more interest rate hikes from the Federal Reserve are weighing on equities. Goldman Sachs Chief Global Equity Strategist Peter Oppenheimer says U.S. stocks are now far less attractive. The U.S. equity market remains quite expensive trading at over 18 times. That's quite a bit above its longer run average. Most other equity markets trade below their longer run averages, and that's true in Europe as well. The most extreme cases in the UK, which has been our preferred European market, was the best performing major index last year. We still think there's a lot of upside. Goldman's Peter Oppenheimer spoke exclusively with Bloomberg from the Goldman Sachs Global Macro Conference Asia Pacific. Hear more of that interview in just a few minutes here on Bloomberg Daybreak. Well, Nathan, we'll get more clues on the direction of interest rates when the Fed issues minutes from this month's policy meeting. And Bloomberg's Michael McKee has a preview. The surprise is gone now that the presidents of the Cleveland and St. Louis Fed banks have said they saw a case for a half percentage point increase at the February 1st meeting. If there were a significant number of others who felt the same way, that could influence views of the Fed's next move, given the strong data we've seen since then. Moreover, at his post-meeting news conference, Fed Chair Jay Powell teased a discussion on the path forward for rates that we'd learn about when the minutes were released. What might have been said about how high rates will need to go, how fast, and for how long? A lot of that will depend on how Fed officials felt about the prospects for inflation. Another discussion to watch in the minutes. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Mike, thanks. Turning to geopolitics, President Biden is wrapping up his trip through Eastern Europe, marking a year since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. He'll meet with leaders of the so-called Bucharest Nine nations that have aided Ukraine with weapons and refugee assistance. In a major speech in Warsaw, the president said Ukraine's fight has united the West. President Putin is confronted with something today that he didn't think was possible a year ago. The democracies of the world have grown stronger not weaker. But the autocrats of the world have grown weaker, not stronger. Former U.S. Ambassador to NATO Kurt Volker says that strength will be tested as the war continues. 
so much of the speech sounded like we we're already declaring victory that you know okay we've succeeded here but the war is far from over russia is still recruiting people and throwing them at the front line we have not given the ukrainians the longest range munitions that they need we've not given them any aircraft there's a long way to go former nato ambassador kurt volker spoke with our washington correspondent joe matthew on bloomberg sound on catch the show weekdays at 5 p.m eastern on bloomberg radio or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts Meanwhile, Nathan, China's top diplomat is calling relations with Russia, quote, solid as rock. Wang Yi was in Moscow to meet with the secretary of the Russian Security Council. And the high-level support might not end there. The Wall Street Journal is reporting Chinese President Xi Jinping is preparing to visit Moscow. We get more from Bloomberg's John Liu in Beijing. At the end of last year, December 30th, Xi and President Putin did have a phone call. And during that phone call, President Putin did say to Xi Jinping that he looked forward to Xi visiting Moscow in the spring. So we've been looking for a visit of some sort. It has not been confirmed or acknowledged by the Chinese side. And Bloomberg's John Liu reports Xi has yet to talk with Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky since the invasion. He's spoken with Russian President Vladimir Putin at least four times in the last year. Let's turn to corporate news now, Karen. McKinsey & Company is known for devising plans to cut workers for its clients. Now, the consulting firm is taking the axe to some of its own. We get more from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner. McKinsey intends to eliminate about 2,000 jobs in one of the firm's biggest rounds of cuts ever. The plan has been dubbed Project Magnolia. It's expected to focus on support roles that don't have direct contact with clients. The aim is to help McKinsey's management team preserve the compensation pool for its partners. Over the past decade, the firm has seen rapid growth in headcount. Now it's looking to restructure how it organizes support teams and centralize some of its roles. The plan is expected to be finalized in the coming weeks. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Doug, thank you. Well, job cuts aren't the only recent trend for many companies, so are pay cuts. But at least one Wall Street CEO is bucking the trend. Citigroup's Jane Frazier collected $24.5 million in compensation last year. And we get more from Bloomberg's Charlie Pillett. It makes her the only major American bank CEO to get a bump in compensation for the year. According to a filing in her first full year atop the company, Fraser was granted stock awards totaling about $19.6 million, a cash bonus of $3.45 million, and $1.5 million in salary. The move comes after rivals Bank of America and Goldman Sachs cut CEO pay, while J.P. Morgan Chase and Wells Fargo left theirs unchanged. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. And Charlie, another Wall Street firm's cracking down on artificial intelligence. Bloomberg News has learned J.P. Morgan Chase is curbing staff use of the ChatGPT chatbot. Sources say it's not triggered by any specific event, but affects normal controls around third-party software. It'll turn cloudy today. Showers this afternoon with a high near 45 degrees. Temperatures will rise overnight. It's 39 degrees right now. Time now to take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael Barr. Good morning, Nathan. A fast-moving storm left a trail of damage and downed trees after a rare February tornado warning was issued for parts of southern New Jersey. The National Weather Service said that it received reports of a possible tornado touching down in Mercer County. This woman lives in Lawrence and describes the moment the storm went over her home. 
I just heard it from the back room, you know, saying, get in the laundry room, get in the laundry room. We just heard this gust of wind, and then we saw the funnel come right across our window. So definitely very unexpected for what appeared to be a really beautiful day. So far, no reports of any serious injuries. A strong, widespread winter storm will sweep across the northern United States this week. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. Moving from west to east, it has already started with heavy winds here in the Bay Area. The wind strong enough to blow down a tree across the Bay Bridge, causing a traffic nightmare for some time. Snow due to follow on some higher peaks later. The storm will then move east, where Minneapolis will take the brunt of the impact, getting 15 to 25 inches of snow through Thursday. The National Weather Service says in the historic storm will move up to New England, which may get up to 18 inches by Friday. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. The NYPD has arrested a suspect after a pride flag was set on fire outside of a Manhattan restaurant in Soho. 30-year-old Angelina Kando was charged with hate crimes, including arson, mischief, and reckless endangerment. The flag, which read Make America Gay Again, was set on fire early Monday at the Little Prince restaurant. Attorney Benjamin Crump says on behalf of civil right leader Malcolm X's surviving daughters, he will file a notice of claim with intent to sue government agencies, including the FBI and the New York City Police Department, over fraudulent concealment of evidence in their father's murder. The truth of what happened and who was involved has always been critical. Malcolm X was shot multiple times while preparing to speak in Washington Heights in 1965. The two men originally convicted of killing Malcolm X were exonerated more than 18 months ago. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. Thanks, Nathan. First step of the NFL offseason. Teams needed to make a decision on whether to apply the franchise tag. The window just opened. The deadline not until March 8th, and teams often wait to decide. It's going to be an interesting call to the Giants. It's clear they do not want to risk losing quarterback Daniel Jones to free agency. If they can't sign him to a long-term deal, they'd likely franchise him. If they do sign Jones, they could then franchise Saquon Barkley. Derek Carr released by the Raiders. He's free to sign with another team right away. And this past weekend, Carr was seen dining in New Jersey with Jets coach Robert Sala. Carr's also met with the Saints. His brother David, once an NFL QB himself, said he thinks it's going to be a long process. The Nets have made a decision on coach Jacques Vaughn. He's staying in Brooklyn. Vaughn this season has gone from assistant to interim head coach to permanent and now his contract extended through 2027. The Atlanta Hawks fired their coach, Nate McMillan. Devils lost at home to Montreal 5-2. And Yankee camp let the shortstop competition begin. Will it again be Isaiah Conner-Falefa or one of three youngsters, Oswald Peraza, Oswaldo Cabrera, or Anthony Volpe? Making the call will be manager Aaron Boone. I don't think there's any way that I'm hoping it necessarily goes. You know, you like it to declare itself, I guess, on some level, but you like for the guys to continue to make it hard because you feel like they all bring something potentially special to the table. And another matter, Boone says that when Giancarlo Stanton doesn't DH, plays the outfield, it could be in right, with Aaron Judge moving to left. John Stash, Edward, Bloomberg Sports. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. 
Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. If investors put their money overseas, they could see big returns from Asia. That's according to Peter Oppenheimer, the chief global equity strategist at Goldman Sachs. Oppenheimer spoke exclusively with Bloomberg's Annabelle Droolers from the sidelines of Goldman's macro conference, Asia Pacific. They discussed the outlook for U.S. and global equity markets, treasury bills, and where Peter Oppenheimer is looking for opportunity. Let's bring you part of that conversation now. We just spoke there about the moves that we've seen in Treasury markets, but generally when you can get 5% on a T-bill risk-free at the moment, what does that tell you about the outlook for equities? Well, overall, it tells you not particularly attractive. Um, and it's a confusing picture in some ways because we as a house have been pretty optimistic about the global economic outlook, uh, long expecting the US to avoid recession. We don't have recessions now forecast even in Europe, which was really at the epicenter of the risks last year with rising gas prices. But I would say two things. First of all, equity markets are really pricing that outcome now. We don't think they're pricing a recession. And secondly, uh, as you say, you're getting quite a high return in competing assets with much less risk. So overall, the biggest market in the world, we're looking at a flat return. We've been preferring non-US markets for quite some time. We still do. But even there, the absolute returns we think are going to be relatively modest overall at the index level this year. Modest returns overall, where are you then looking to to get the most alpha? Well, I would say two things. Firstly, if you take all of the regions globally, we've got the highest return forecast in Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's partly a valuation story and a recovery, the opening up of China. Um, and secondly, I think you really need to look within and beneath the equity index level mm-hmm. to really find better relative opportunities. Now, that's been the story already for much of the last year, mm-hmm. where we found for the first time in more than a decade 
valuation really mattered. Cheaper mm. things outperformed. Uh, in the previous decade, generally more expensive things were outperforming. And we think that will continue. So we like pockets of value mm. in Europe, where I cover in particular, uh, we've uh, had a strong preference for banks, which have been a disastrous performing area for more than a decade and over the last year have performed well. We think there's more to go there. We like energy and commodity related sectors as well. And we sort of balance that with a preference for stable margin businesses across industries, and that's true globally. When you talk about Europe outperforming the US, what exactly do you see driving that? I would say it's a couple of things. First of all, valuation. The US equity market remains quite expensive, Mm. trading at over 18 times. That's quite a bit above its longer run average. Mm. Most other equity markets trade below their longer run averages, and that's true in Europe as well. The most extreme cases in the UK, which has been our preferred European market, was the best performing major index last year. We still think there's a lot of upside. That's partly because it's very cheap and partly also because it's got more exposure to the things that no one really wanted in the last decade, which was very dominated by large cap tech. But it does have a lot of exposure to these things that are finally seeing quite strong fundamental earnings growth, banks, healthcare, resources. Yeah, that split between value versus growth, but Mm. talk specifically because is it really right to look at it in those terms or how should people be really approaching value as a sector? There's a a sort of tendency to look at everything in a very binary way. Mm. uh, And that's the approach that many people have have taken really since the financial crisis because there was such an extreme difference between the growth factor and the value factor. And as that's reversed, it's almost as if people believe that you could see the same secular trends in the opposite direction. I think it's going to be more eclectic. We do like areas of value, Mm. but we like to balance that against pockets of growth that we don't think are that expensive. Mm. And where you've got more stable margins, that's what really the market is paying for. So things like healthcare would fit into that. If you look at Europe, uh, the biggest companies, the 11 biggest that we call the granolas, um, have become very large in the index, 25% of the 600 biggest companies. In a similar way that the big tech stocks became very large in the US, the difference though is that these super large European companies are still seeing stable and high margins and that's maintaining their attraction as relatively defensive growth areas of the market. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th. 
a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.